pop, fizz, clink, sit back and enjoy. Bubbly Thoughts poured by your host, Melissa Bromley. Hi, and welcome to the Bubbly Thoughts podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Bromley. Let's pop, fizz, and clink our way into some good vibes today. I am so excited for today's episode because I am going to do something I haven't done before. If you follow me on Instagram at melbroms, you may remember that I posted a poll on my Instagram story asking if anyone would be interested in hearing movie and TV show reviews on the podcast. I watch a ton of movies and shows and I am such a freak because I rewatch a lot of things. Most of the time I do this because I'm constantly multitasking, so I put stuff on in the background while I'm trying to check off other items on my to-do list. But sometimes I rewatch things because I am A, needing more after something is over, or B, because I want to pick up on things that I missed, especially when the show is more complex. So I get really obsessed with shows sometimes. And right now, there are a ton of good ones out there. So when I received that many people voted yes to the Instagram poll, I figured I'd give this a go. In fact, the only person who actually wrote no contacted me immediately and told me it was a mistake and she didn't mean to write no on the poll. So the show I want to talk to you guys about is what critics are referring to as a grab bag of teen tropes with characteristics from Riverdale and 13 Reasons Why, as well as the most common description of sexy Lord of the Flies, also known as The Society. For those of you out there who have not watched the show, my goal is to not have spoilers in the first part of this episode, and to make very clear when to stop listening and return back to this episode when you have completed the series. And have no fear, it's only one season long so far because it just came out on Netflix on May 10 of this year. So for now, in this podcast episode, if you have not watched the series, you are safe. So I'm going to read a description that I found to give you a general understanding of the show because sometimes when I describe the show myself to people, I tend to give too much away. So here is what you would read if you looked it up online. Start quote, busloads of Connecticut high school students head off for an extended camping trip, but a storm forces them to return home. Upon their return, the teens realize that all of the town's adults are gone in this modern take on Lord of the Flies. Their newfound freedom is fun at first, but it quickly becomes dangerous. While they struggle to figure out what has happened to them and how to get the town back to normal, the teens must establish order and form alliances in order to survive. End quote. There are 10 episodes that are about an hour long each, And like I said, it aired on May 10, 2019 on Netflix. The genre is considered a mystery teen drama, and it's starring Catherine Newton, Gideon Adlin, Sean Birdie, Natasha Liu Bordizo, Jaco Coliman, Olivia Dejan. I don't know if I'm pronouncing any of these names right, so bear with me, people. Alex Fitzalan, Christine Froseth, Jose Julian, Alexander McNichol, Toby Wallace, and Rachel Keller. So it transpires in a place called West Ham, Connecticut. 
and the show was created by Christopher Kaiser. He's also known for writing teleplays for L.A. Law and Equal Justice. From 1991 to 1996, he also wrote for and produced the show's Sisters and Eddie Dodd. But what he is best known for is the Fox series Party of Five, which is a primetime family-oriented soap opera, which received the Golden Globe Award for Best Drama Series. You may be wondering if you know any of the young actors who are in the show that I just named, because for me, even based off of reading that list, I mean, I recognized a few of the faces when I was watching the show myself, but none of those names even rang a bell to me, and I would consider myself relatively well-versed with actors' names. Am I an expert? No, but I, I'm pretty uh, confident with knowing which what the actors' names are in most of the things that I watch. So like I said, I recognized a few of the faces while watching the show, but didn't know any of them by name specifically. So when I looked it up, here are a few of people that you might recognize from the show based off of their not just name alone, but I'm going to go ahead and let you guys know uh, where you might know some of these names from. So the character Allie Pressman is played by Katherine Newton. Katherine is most known for Paranormal Activity 4, the show Supernatural, Big Little Lies, Blockers, Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, and most recently Pokemon Detective Pikachu. I have never seen Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right either. And Pokemon isn't really my thing. No judgment if it's yours. Rock on, you little Pikachu. But I love the Paranormal Activity franchise. And the fourth may be my favorite. And this is initially what I recognized her from. And Big Little Lies is a show I'm extremely invested in. In Paranormal Activity 4, she is the lead and plays the big sister. I don't know how else to describe her character. And in Big Little Lies, she is Reese Witherspoon's, a.k.a. the character who plays Madeline. If you don't know who Reese Witherspoon is, you're probably not listening to the right podcast anyway. It's her eldest daughter in the series. So if, that, if you're a fan of that show, that's her. And Blockers is a modern-day American pie, basically from the perspective of female best friends in high school who make a lose-your-virginity pact. It's great. I've seen it a couple times, and I would highly recommend it. It's super funny and very well-written. Uh, the next person is Jack Mulhern. He uh, plays my second favorite character on the show, known as Grizz. And funny enough, The Society was his big debut. Uh, he's new to the game, but I'm very impressed with him, and I think most people would love his character on the show. Next is quite possibly one of the most iconically attractive people on the show, played by Christine Froseth, a.k.a. Kelly Aldrich. That's the character's name. She was the second one I recognized because I remember she played the cool girl in Sierra Burgess is a Loser, which was a Netflix movie. She's also known for a show called Junior. I don't know what the heck that is, but she's also going to be in a TV adaption based off of a book from one of my favorite authors, John Green. I haven't looked this up yet, but I hope she plays Alaska from the novel Looking for Alaska, a book that your high school teen self would totally be into, but as an adult, you might not appreciate as much. But I loved the book when I read it, and I would recommend anything by John Green. Uh, next is an actor whose name is Alex 
Fitzalon, who plays the popular kind of douchebag character known as Harry Bingham. So he's been in the movie The Slender Man, which is one of my favorite horror fan fiction characters ever created, but I am too cheap right now to pay to rent the movie they made, so I'm waiting until it comes out on HBO or one of the streaming services I pay for, so I'll keep you posted on that movie. This movie is not to be confused with the documentary that was aired on HBO entitled Beware the Slender Man. Different movies, FYI. But I'm even more excited to watch the Slender Man now because I have a face to recognize, which is the character who plays Harry Bingham. Now, I want to talk about where you might have seen Helena, who's played by Natasha Lou Bordizo. She is known for Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword of Destiny, The Greatest Showman, I Know, Hotel Mumbai is the other one that she's known for. So The Greatest Showman is something I watch every time I need a pick-me-up, and I have watched it so often that I felt disappointed when I didn't recognize her from this movie. She, and just as an FYI, she's a very talented cast member in this movie, but doesn't play a very big role, just to be clear. So don't feel bad if you've watched it, seen a picture of this person, don't recognize her as well. Just know that she's super talented, and I guarantee she has a really bright future ahead. The next guy that I recognized was an actor named Jose Julian, who's played by the character Gordy. I couldn't figure out where and found out it was Shameless, one of the best shows on Showtime. If you haven't given it a go, definitely watch it. And the character who plays Gordy plays on that show as well. Uh, then we have the character who plays Will, whose real name is Jaco Kaliman. And apparently this is also his big break, just like the person who plays Grizz. Now, one incredibly pivotal character, uh, Becca, is played by Gideon Adlon. Again, forgive me if I'm butchering any of these names. <laughs> so I can't tell you why without spoiling anything at this point, why she is such a pivotal character, but you may recognize her from the movie Blockers, just like Catherine Newton, who plays Allie, like I mentioned earlier. They were best friends in the movie and have a slightly different friendship in this show, meaning the society. You also may have seen her in a show known as American Crime. I've never heard of it, so I don't know what her role was in that one, but I, her role is extremely pivotal in the society. The character Sam is played by someone named Sean Birdie, who you may have seen if you ever watched the show Switched at Birth and the movie The Sandlot 2. Now, Sam is my absolute favorite character on the show The Society. He's someone I actually felt like I would be friends with in real life. I can't explain it, but I just feel like he's this glimmer of hope for some reason for the crazy things that happen on this show. The next person I want to talk to you guys about is there's a character named Elle who was played by Australian actress Olivia de Jong. I recognized her almost as quickly as Catherine Newton because she is one of my, she's a character in one of my favorite scary movies, The Visit. It's an M. Night Shyamalan film. It might be one of his best other than The Sixth Sense. Highly recommend it. She plays the older sister who is making a documentary in that movie, The Visit. She's also known from a show known as Hiding. I love her character in the society, even though she doesn't have many friends. Uh, her character doesn't have many friends in the show and keeps to herself. Elle deals with a lot in this show, and she is incredibly interesting to me. So the next person is the character Luke, who's played by Alex McInocle, who you may have seen in 13 Reasons Why. He played the character Alex's older brother in that show, and he's barely on the show. In the society, his character develops pretty well, 
And just as many characters on the show, there's much more to him than meets the eye. Then there's Toby Elias or Elias, who plays the character Campbell, probably the only person for some reason whose name I can remember after watching this show for the first time, meaning his character name for some reason was one of the only ones I could remember after watching the series. And wow, I am really impressed with this actor. He reminds me of looks wise, like and his voice for some reason, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, like a younger Jonathan Taylor Thomas, obviously, but in the world's creepiest way and like no dig on JTT, but his character just has kind of a creepy vibe to it. I don't mean any disrespect by that, just that's his character. And his character is by far the most interesting in the show and portrays a huge message that most of our actual society, not to be confused with the show I'm speaking of in this episode, that we're afraid to discuss. You'll know what I mean when you watch it. The things he is in are things I've never heard of. Uh, this this thing called Neighbors, uh, Return to Nim's Island, and Romper Stomper. And please don't think I, I don't think he was in that movie Neighbors with um, Zac Efron and uh, Rose McGowan. I think that's the Rose that's in that movie. Sorry, y'all. I'm drinking a lot of champs right now. It's been a crazy day, so I just kind of got started. But anyway, so lastly, the last character I want to cover, her name is Rachel Keller in real life, and she plays the character of Cassandra. And she has been in many different things, some of which are Legion, Fargo, and Supernatural. All right, now that we have gone through all of this, here is why I think you should watch the show if you have not watched it yet. It's not a traditional scary show or anything or filled with horror like American Horror Story or something like that, but it's incredibly haunting, entertaining, and filled with unexpected twists and turns. Even the trailer features the song uh, Bury a Friend by Billie Eilish, uh, known for uh, you know many hauntingly beautiful, entertaining songs. This particular one fitting true to Billie Eilish form. It sets the tone for the show really well. The entire soundtrack is actually really great, and you can tell the songs are very clearly linked to the scenes that they play in. In addition, I've never seen anything like The Society, so there's an originality factor there that I think a lot of people would be appealed to. But there are a lot of serious elements in this show that I appreciate them addressing that are realistic issues in the world. And overall, frankly, I think you should give it a try because I have really tried to figure out the show and I have watched it three times now and I still can't figure out what the hell is going on. And I have some theories as well as some theories that I've researched online that I could agree with. So I, for some reason, can't stop talking about this show, can't stop thinking about it, and I keep trying to tell other people to watch it too. So now it's your turn. Watch it, come back to the remainder of this podcast episode and hear my thoughts on other important elements of the show. This is your warning from this point forward. There will be many spoilers regarding the society, so feel free to turn this episode off for now and come back to it later. Spoilers starting in three, two, one. So an interesting element in this show is the concept of adaption. The characters in the show transition from being a part of high school cliques to everyone being more familial and doing things like eating together in the school cafeteria then the town truly turning into this kind of dictatorship run by high school teenagers. 
And sometimes in this show, you might forget how young these kids are. There's a scene, though, where a group of high school girls play Mary F. Kill, and that turns into reality in a lot of ways. So Allie loses her assumed virginity to the popular boy, Harry. Helena's boyfriend, Luke, proposes to her in a time of weakness and vulnerability, and the leader of the town, Cassandra, is killed And in episode one, I will come back to a handful of theories of this later, a girl was bitten by a snake in the woods and dies. So there's your Mary F. Kill right there. And you see quickly in the show how their lives went from being adolescents to being forced into adulthood in the least fun way possible after a little while, of course. So how the realities of what living without adults before you're ready can cause utter chaos. I think something I appreciate most about this show is that there is so much meaning to every single moment. Everything is symbolic, foreshadowing, meaningful. With that being said, I want to go over some of the important themes of this show. I am thankful for a few things that this show addresses. Some are including mental health, same-sex relationships, teen pregnancy, gun violence, and overall how exclusive high school kids can be even in times of utter chaos. So I can't even imagine how hard it must be to be one of the only kids in your high school to come out in a town that seems to be highly religious, seeing as the central location of the town is a church, let alone somewhere with an extremely limited group of people where you actually are the only gay person to exist in the town. One of the hardest scenes for me to watch was when Sam who was a character that I mentioned earlier, was explaining to Becca, who's his best friend in the show, that he was told by a religious figurehead, such as a priest or whatever branch of Christianity equivalent, said to him, it's okay to be gay as long as you don't act on it. From everything I have read, this show takes place in pretty close to present day, or at least before they are relocated to Newham. More on my thoughts on this later. And there are still people out there that don't accept gay people? That's a problem to me. It is 2019. If someone else being gay is your biggest concern, I don't say this lightly, get the fuck over yourself. I genuinely think you are ignorant if you are not okay with gay people. Back to my point earlier, Sam was telling Becca that he would be willing to live with who he is in this new society they're trapped in, knowing that he will never be able to have a significant other since he was the only person that he knew of that was gay. So he was choosing to focus on those around him that he does care about, such as his best friend, Becca, and that was going to be his main focus. That is until Grizz, one of the characters I mentioned earlier, makes a connection with Sam and they hit it off, which I would be thankful if this relationship continued in the next season. With the topic of mental health, Sam reveals that his brother Campbell is a psychopath. And I don't, I'm not saying that as a joke. Psychopathy is a serious thing. I know a lot of people like to make jokes about mental health and everything. I'm not making a joke right now. He's genuinely diagnosed as a psychopath. And the Mayo Clinic describes psychopathy as a personality disorder where the person typically has no regard for right and wrong. They may often violate the law and the rights of others. 
Often, psychopaths have little empathy, uh, demonstrate antisocial behavior, and lack inhibitions. They may also experience impulsivity and a weak ability to defer gratification and control behavior and utilize superficial charm and glibness, I don't know what glibness means, to gain control. And this describes the person who plays Campbell, his relationship with Elle perfectly. The most difficult scene to watch was when he acted like he was going to drown her in the bathtub during a moment of vulnerability. Of every scene in the show, that was the one that affected me the most and was the most difficult for me to watch. It's important for us to own and understand different elements of mental health. If anyone, let alone Elle, the character on the show, knew and understood psychopathy or any other mental personality disorder, we might be able to help and understand instead of being afraid. So with teen pregnancy, I am going to bring in sexual education a little bit here. I'm concerned that all of these young people are having sex in this show because I doubt many other than Cassandra are utilizing contraceptives. I feel there is a lack of education on this because A, they are pretty young, and uh, some of these characters are presumably as young as 16, and after Allie has sex with Harry for the first time, she didn't know that UTIs existed until her sister Cassandra told her what to do. And of course, with Becca being pregnant, I mean, obviously, anyway different topic, different day, but we don't know who it was. We don't know what the story is there, but I will discuss this in my theories later. And on the other end of the spectrum, we have the character Helena, whose religious upbringing encourages her to believe sex is meant for marriage and that everything, everything but is acceptable. I'm not even gonna cover that topic. You, anyway. I don't want to turn this into an after-school special with this theme. I just think it's good that they're covering it in this show because it is a realistic thing that should be discussed, even if it's as simple as the do's and don'ts, and it shouldn't be so taboo to talk about. And uh, lastly, gun violence. We all know how big of an issue this is and how this show represents how scary it can be in the world today and the controversy of how people either have the knee-jerk reaction to buy a gun or on the op opposite side, believe that all guns should not exist. I think this is important because this is a real issue in the world today and, you know, how difficult it can be to know what the right thing to do or think is when it comes to this topic. Lastly, who thought an eye for an eye was a good idea? Killing that kid without real proof that he killed Cassandra I still think if I was 16, I probably wouldn't be able to kill somebody, but who knows, I'm not in this crazy society. But going into this particular Cassandra killer conundrum more shortly, though, so hang tight. I'll come back to my theories on that in a minute. So speaking of theories, now to my theories on what on earth or not, I guess, is actually going on in this show. Like, where did these kids end up? What is New Ham exactly? And here are some theories I have thought of or ones I think could be possible that people of the internet have come up with. Also, a bonus at the end of the show are a few other theories I have come up with that could be true related to other conundrums in this show. We'll just have to wait for season two, hopefully, to find out if I'm right. So a lot of the internet seems to think the whole premise of this show is that it's a government-controlled experiment because it makes no sense that the electricity is still running after a year of no one paying anything for it. 
And I personally feel like if this is what's going on, I hope it would have to be a really interesting plot twist because that seems too easy and not thought-provoking enough for me. And everything else in this show is incredibly meaningful and thought out. And I, I doubt that they would make the easy route of it being something like the government is trying to test a controlled experiment on this town in Connecticut. My thinking is this is not likely what is happening here. Another theory, so some people have discussed time travel, future and past, as a concept for what on earth is going on. So I feel as though it's likely not the future and instead is the past if time travel is the case in this show. Because they don't have updated technology like the internet, cable, or access to the cloud. Also, there was this whole thing about the solar eclipse or the lunar eclipse or something and how there wasn't supposed to be another one for another five years or something like that. I can't quite remember. So that could mean they're in the future if this eclipse wasn't supposed to be happening if they were in the present time. My thinking is that this is possibly what could be happening in this show. Possible time travel concepts, future or past. Both possibilities are there. There's another theory that I found that said they could be in purgatory and were killed on the school bus ride. And I feel this is unlikely. I, again, I think it's too easy and it's something more complex, especially because the kids suggested this is a possibility anyway very early on in the season. So I think it was episode one, They somebody mentioned in the show, oh, maybe we're all dead. Like maybe this is one of the layers of hell or whatever. It, to me, it's just too easy and they already thought of it. I think they're going to do more twisty kind of concepts with us. My thinking is that this is not what is happening. There's also the theory that this is some kind of simulation, but, but why? And how does this link back to the smell? Another theory is that they're on a different planet, and I, I guess I could see that, or an alternate universe. Again, these are things they've already addressed, so I feel like they wouldn't have given away what's actually going on in the show. And lastly, is this a Hunger Games or the Truman Show type of scenario where the where Big Brother is always watching and controlling everything that's happening? Honestly, I don't know. And it's so frustrating. We're all just going to have to be patient and wait and see. So you've stuck through some of my theories about what's going on in the show. So I wanted to share with you some bonus theories to many of our unanswered questions before I wrap up this episode. So enjoy. Who is Becca's baby daddy? That is one question on the show that we don't know the answer to. And I have two theories. It's someone's dad from when they were actually in West Ham and someone who, unfortunately, somebody who possibly raped her. You know, this might cover the theme of sexual assault and uh, something along those lines. So that could be a possibility. A lot of the internet supports that. The question is, who's dad? That I don't know. That I haven't come up with yet. My theory, and this might be totally incorrect, out of the box, like could be completely wrong. My theory is that it could be Will. Okay, so the only reason I think this could be a possibility is because in the very beginning of episode one, Will and Becca were talking backstage and she seems to be kind of flirty. I don't know if I'm just picking up on something that's not there. You don't actually hear their dialogue happening. But I will say, I don't notice any other time in the show where they ever speak again directly in the entire remainder of the show. 
There's something questionable about that to me, especially with how meaningful the show is and how they put a lot of effort into making connections and meaning and symbolism for every aspect of the show. So we'll see. We'll see if my theory is correct. So another conundrum is why do Harry and Cassandra hate each other so much? Mostly Harry, obviously, but I'm convinced it's more complex than just them being competitive classmates. They're both kind of the top dogs of the school. And I have a feeling they hooked up and he wanted to date her and she chose the guy she met touring colleges, I think it was at Yale or something, instead of him and his ego got bruised. So here's, here's maybe why I have thought of this. And this is the only reason what, well, not the only reason, but this is what sparked me into thinking this is a possibility. After the rain starts pouring in, I think episode two, and everyone is destroying the town. It was after a game of Fugitive. Uh, Cassandra is standing outside in the rain. I think Ordy makes a reference that, hey, at least the rain is falling down instead of up if this is ringing a bell at all. Uh, so in this scene, Harry and Allie come running up together because they were just together after having sex. And the look Cassandra gave Harry looked hurt and confused. It's brief, but I noticed it in the most recent time that I watched it. Just a random theory. I could be totally wrong, but there was something interesting that I noticed about the way she looked at him when uh, him and her sister Allie came running up uh, during that particular scene. So another conundrum, what's with the dog, that beautiful black and white uh, collie? So a couple things. Did Campbell kill the dog? Like Elle kind of assumes or like the, you know, the show kind of leads us to believe. If so, how did it show up in West Ham, where the kids are originally from in the final episode with Allie and Cassandra's mom, that very final scene that exists in the show so far? Is it proving that if you die in this new ham society that you return home to West Ham? Or is it that he didn't kill the dog and the dog can travel back and forth into the two locations? Who knows, y'all? This dog is also the only living creature that seems to exist in new ham that isn't the kids other than the snake that mysteriously bit and killed someone in episode one. That can't be a coincidence that no stray cats or dogs or anything else is around other than this random dog that pops up from time to time. All right, so another conundrum, what is this smell that they talk about in the first couple episodes of this show, more specifically episode one? So is, the, is it that the original town of West Ham is on a Native, Ameri Native American burial ground, and in order to remove the smell, the children must be sacrificed to represent the people who were killed and, and buried on sacred ground? That's a stretch, but I, I'm not sure about this one. Is it that the kids are, you know, is it that the kids' dead bodies are from a parallel universe? Is that why the smell is coming into this original universe? I, I don't know how this could be possible since the smell was there before they went on the trip, but it could have something to do with the stars being off and a possible time difference between New Ham and Purgatory. I pulled that theory from BuzzFeed. Not the Native American burial ground one, but the other one. Okay, last conundrum. Most importantly, who killed Cassandra? 
We all know it wasn't actually Dewey. If you think it was Dewey, you're wrong. There's no way. And I was convinced from the get-go that this kid didn't actually do it, even though he confessed and was put in that jail where he was locked in the wine cellar, which, by the way, that would be my dream jail. If I ever go to jail, lock me in a wine cellar. But my favorite theory for who killed Cassandra was that someone else, something that someone else came up with online, so I didn't come up with this myself, but... Allie has always lived in her sister's shadow, and a little bit of her resents Cassandra for it. She may have killed Cassandra so she could finally have some of the power and influence that Cassandra always had. Also, her and Campbell are cousins, and while a lot of studies say psychopathy isn't necessarily a genetic trait passed down through families, there is some research to support this could be possible. Allie's reactions to things really threw me for a loop in this show, so I could see there being a possibility of something related to a mental disorder. However, it could just be pure shock on her behalf for everything that's going on. That's a possibility as well. I also think it could be someone else who has the ability to travel back and forth between Newham and West Ham, such as one of the adults and possibly Pfeiffer. I don't think it was Campbell, which a lot of people think it is, because he had the gun in episode one, because I think that theory would be way too easy. All right, well, that's all for today. I'm exhausted and you probably are too. It probably just as confused as I am with what is actually going on in this show. Either way, I hope you enjoyed listening to this special edition of Bubbly Thoughts featuring a review from the brand new show, The Society, streaming now on Netflix. Thank you for listening to this edition of Bubbly Thoughts. Cheers, and as always, stay bubbly.